This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Boards of directors do not sack managers. Players sack managers. The players have not informed and not, not performed this season. The playing side, and I'm not just talking about on the field, I'm talking about the complete side. So it's a shambles. And what's the point of saying anything else? When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. the voice of your god, Randy Lerner. I'm sorry to see DiMatteo go. He was, after all, carrying on my good work so diligently. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast show. I'm David Michael, the editor of My Old Man Said. Well, since the last show, Roberto Di Matteo has been a victim of what ex-Villa boss Remy Gard called this week a trap. Next up as Villa boss, Bruce. Steve Bruce. Since this is the latest new dawn at Villa Park, hopefully not a, another false dawn, we thought we'd go for uh, some of that kind of music that's uh, typical of Hollywood movies when the good guys in the in this final act are just about to rise from the ashes and deliver. So imagine Steve Bruce running along the touchline in slow motion, punching the air in victory, and also flipping the bird at the Blues fans at St Andrews. First of all, I want to thank you for your patience of waiting for this episode. We recorded over two hours and it takes such a long time uh, to edit that when you record that much, it's, it's not going to help you. So I think in future we're going to go for podcast lengths around half an hour just to uh, make it an easier process. Also, I'd like to thank Simon Dakin, Neil Stallward, Roger Atterbury, Nigel Ball, for becoming uh, mom's patrons and supporting the show and also uh, for Josh Sladden and Stuart Sinton for upgrading their pledges as well good on you mates 
if you want to join them as uh, my old man said patrons and support the podcast please do check out my and look for patron on the menu bar and sign up it would be much appreciated and, and very very helpful by the time most of you listen to this podcast uh, steve bruce will probably be already in and have his feet under the table at villa park I'm going to keep in the bits where we discuss the other candidates uh, for the job or some of the silly candidates for the job just for for your own amusement. You know who I'm talking about, the likes of Sherwood, Redknapp, McLaren, etc. We'll be uh, also looking beyond the new manager, be focusing on Mil Yedinak and discussing the WTF of what's happened to him this season so far. We'll also have Mom's QT, where we take listener questions from uh, Twitter. If you've got any questions, please drop us a line on Twitter at Aston Villa Pod. And we'll wrap up by taking a look at the Wolves game and also doing five reasons to be cheerful as Villa fans. So hopefully this inspirational music will carry you through what I have to admit is our total indifference to this latest Villa management saga. I think we're all getting bored now. Let's just win games, get promoted, and put an end to the shambles. So, let's get on with this. And joining me on this week's episode, Dan Rogers from the Villa Underground and my old man said writer, Chad Wren. Gentlemen, welcome. Hello. Hello, good evening. The reason why Chad was absent from the podcast uh, last week was because we sent him on a little mission. He he went to Villa Park. Let's just say... uh, it's mission accomplished. Was it the Italian rosé that you tampered with, or uh, did you did you did you use the other method of getting rid of the Matteo that we discussed? Um, I don't really want to talk about it. To be honest, pretty uh, pretty confidential, but it involves the rosé and drugs. That that would explain his uh, utter uh, incoherence in terms of tactics against Preston. Playing uh, is it one midfielder? I mean, when did that ever work, Chad? You were there. Away fans, once they've lost faith in you, it's all over. I mean, how, how quickly did it manifest itself at the game? It was a bit weird, really, because the first song that actually cracked out from the away end was uh, Dr. Toner went to Rome in a four-bond day. And then um, as soon as we went 1-0 down, it, you could feel the pressure was on. There was a lot of angst amongst, amongst the fans. Uh, anger was building. And then after that, just the way we were playing, yeah, it just burst. We, we just looked clueless, to be honest, in everything we did. And... He just he wasn't even anim- animated on the touchline, so he was sort of an, an easy target for fans as well. Just stood there with his arms crossed. Are you, are you okay, Chad? You, you, it sounds like you've you've suffered some sort of trauma <sighs> and you know post traumatic well, stress. That you, you know, did you need a do you need a hug? There's only a couple of positives I can take away from the whole trip to Preston. And number one is the fact that the train journey only took an hour and a half. And number two is the fact that I had a KFC. The rest is just terrible. It rained <laughs> most of the time. Cuisine. It was freezing and we were terrible. But apart Tragic. from that. Wow. Um, I think we should stop supporting Aston Villa. <laughs> there's, there's a rumour that there's a team in the same city of ours with, with twice as many points as us. Now. Apparently they play in blue and white. I, I've never <laughs> heard of them. I, I've never heard of them. I've never heard of them. Um, are, you, are you off to the dark side, are you? Where's this place? Are they, are they higher than us? We'd be glory hunters, wouldn't we, if we uh, if we were to jump ship to, to Small Heath Alliance? Uh, you'd be glory hunter if you if you chose any other team uh, than Aston, <laughs> Aston Villa. That's that's the sad fact. <laughs> so only one thing to talk about, really, uh, on this week's show. Uh, any surprise that RDM left? Not at all. I, I mean, I, at the point at which we recorded the last podcast, I probably thought that he would 
need at least four points. I actually thought that both of those games, I, I thought Barnsley was probably the more difficult of the two. And we, yeah. you yeah. know, we, with a minute to go, we were, I won't say we were home and dry because that wasn't a great performance. But, you know, 89 minutes you expect to come, and you're winning, you expect to come away with three points. The Preston game, that was a shambles. And I have to think that the owner was probably sat wherever he was sat in the world watching that thinking, we're not going anywhere under this guy. I mean, the Barnsley game is is one of those, a good team always finds a way to win and champions always find a way to win. And when they're not playing well, you know, they they find a way to get grind out that 1-0. And that was just an example of we're just not at that level where we can do that. We can't just turn up and sleepwalk through a game and and end up winning it. Uh, Chad, you went to the, the Preston game. How quickly in that game did you sense that uh, the crowd were, that was the game, obviously, they uh, they switched well, um, it's set to be a really good atmosphere because uh, the fact that there was so many fans going up there. But because we conceded a goal and the way in the manner we conceded a goal so early and how it was, it, the atmosphere just switched completely. People trying to get songs going, but it just wasn't really working. And in the end, you could hear individuals sort of grumbling and rumbling all around you. And then it just turned into mass, like mass sort of exodus against Roberto and Sarah in the end. Was it nasty at all? Because there's a certain sense of Di Matteo... Like previous managers, there's been uh, two camps, you know, like, for example, Sherwood. I mean, even on the the day he uh, was sacked, you know, even after having a run of seven defeats and uh, absolutely shambolic start to the season. Uh, I mean, I did a poll and I think it was like 53% were in favour of still keeping him. So there was up two camps there. But with Di Matteo, I think most, most supporters just shrugged their shoulders and they're not that bothered. I mean, did it turn nasty or was it like an indifference? Well, it's, it's sort of like a, it's a different atmosphere. I wouldn't say it's nasty in the- in the way that like Lambert sort of got abuse or whatever, but um, or previous yeah. managers, but it was just like everyone was like, We have a target, we've got a goal, we have promotion, you are not doing enough to succeed that. And it, no one's really built like I, I, as, I, as a fan, haven't built a relationship with Demetel. Like, I don't really feel like he's charismatic in any way, so everyone just switched on him quickly and was like, This isn't good enough. Uh, would you agree, Dan, that he's he's kind of been a bit of an autopilot uh, cruise control manager for Villa? Well, he's been as, as much a spectator as the rest of us. And I, I think back to, I think Forrest was probably the game where I thought there's an issue here where we were, once we got back on back on top in that game, we were dominant and we somehow managed to draw that game. You look at, you know, how, how many times could we concede in, in the last five minutes? I mean, to, for it to become a running joke before 10 games are up is, how, how do you achieve that? Picking Westwood repeatedly? Mm. relevant of what you of what you think about him and what is he what has he demonstrated to, to warrant um default selection in 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 the squad the approach in terms of strikers i mean you've got you look across the the front line we've put together a potent proven championship strike force we're not scoring any goals with no what? supply line with absolutely you know at one point was it was it Yedinak was on his own in midfield against preston what are you doing man you know uh, but bunning goal you drop in the where do you begin the way we should be picking strikers with the the attacking options we've got is play two two up front, and then if both of them don't get a goal, swap them next week. Then if they get a goal, whoever scores stays in. That is the way because that's how good our attacking forwards are. But we can't it's play Sunday all four league tactics. It's Sunday league tactics. It's uh, oh, these are my best players. I'm going to throw them throw them all on and and oh, actually, when I look at the at the bench, all I've got is nobody. It's yeah. It, it's it's been absolutely bonkers, and I think that that's the biggest thing that. Well, for, for me at least, and I can only speak for myself, that when I was watching how we were set up and how we were going about games, I thought, this guy, actually, there is no plan. And that's been the theme, you know, you look back through our, our podcast episodes, 
how many times have we said actually the, what how are we trying to win this game or how how can we didn't manage how can we didn't manage to see out a game actually it's been glaringly obvious all of the times it's been through pretty basic crap tactical decisions so in terms of his of the transfer window uh, and most people were pleased with it uh, most people said it was you know the best uh, in recent memory but there's there's two niggling things which we've discussed uh, several times one was gambling essentially on an unproven young goalkeeper the stakes are high the stakes are we must get promotion at all costs in two years because that's pretty much what uh, Tony's eyes here for he's not you know he's not here for uh, well we'll just float around until we eventually get promoted all their plans uh, all the foundations that they are are laying at least are geared towards being in the Premier League because that's how this financially this whole uh, shtick's going to work for the uh, the recon group but for Di Matteo, just to gamble on Gallini without any backup plan. And, I mean, you know, we've, we've spoken about this, have written about it, and it couldn't have backfired any worse because he's cost us legit six points. Three games that uh, we were winning, including the Barnsley game, when he flapped at that corner. So that was one thing. Uh, and the other thing was the lack of options, the lack of depth in midfield as well. I mean... Dan, would would you would you pinpoint those two areas as a weakness in the actual transfer activity? Yes, and yes, straightforward for me. Gallini, I feel really sorry for him. And we said early doors that this is a young guy who could easily be hung out to dry. The other thing was we had absolutely no cover. We know everything about Bun. He's yeah. w- w- would he, would he even be second choice goalkeeper at any of our main competitors, even in this division? Don't, no, don't think so. Bunny's not good enough to be an Aston Villa goalkeeper full stop. He's not. And look at how things panned out at Preston. At the, you know, you only have to see how we conceded the goals. Positionally, physically, very little difference to Gallini. He might have a bit more experience on him, but he doesn't improve us. Look at the midfield. The midfield is, you know, if, if Tishbola um, is injured or... and We'll get to Yedinak a bit later when we talk about players needing to improve. We've got him and... Because we're so poor and we lack such depth in that position, I think we have to play him. We've got no other option because the other option is Gardner. What are you going to do? And this is, if I have one piece of sympathy with Di Matteo, is our lack of squad depth and the, the scale of overhaul that we need is massive. But I do think we have the personnel to, to, to have been better than we have been. But in terms of goalkeeping and midfield, January can't come soon enough. I mean, break, let's break it down. Uh, you've spent... Not not you personally, guys, but uh, the club have spent over fifty million, and we have one win out of eleven, one Whoa. win out of twelve competitive games. Chad, I mean, Scary. was you ex- was you expecting that at the start of the season? One win, and we're talking we're in the championship here. At what level, in terms of wins out of eleven, would you have been content to actually give him a little bit more time? How many would he have have to have won? Six or seven, around half. That's promotion for really, isn't it? And, well, not even yeah. promotion form, that's just high mid-table and the fact that we've only got one is just the reason why he should go. People say it's too soon and I probably would have a few weeks ago, but oh, it's just it's just so frustrating, especially if you look at the types of teams that we could have got results or you expect results of. Mm. And the, the, way, the, the way we were raving about the team before anything even kicked off, or even after Sheffield Wednesday, we were like, yeah, this will come good. As soon as we click, we've got more signings to come. We're going to be a force. We can go on crazy runs, even after Newcastle. Even after a quarter good result against Newcastle, I thought, now nah. I was speaking to my friend and I was like, if we would beat Barnsley now, we can go on a run. All we need is a run and we can get back up there. But 
No. I think that was the key thing uh, against Barnsley was one minute to go or two minutes to go, whatever it was, uh, win that, just see it out. And then suddenly that point against Newcastle seems to be a better point than it actually was. If they had seen out that Barnsley game, suddenly the switch of momentum would have been completely different in terms of the players' confidence and belief. I mean, it's it's not going to really change anything about Di Matteo's uh, tactics or frame of mind, but they would have had... Uh, that point against Newcastle suddenly has value. Three more points against Barnsley. They probably would have got an inkling that now's the time to kick on and they probably would have approached mm. Preston a little bit differently. Well, the, the fact that we're talking about confidence again just echoes last season. Preston was almost as bad as the Luton game that we played earlier this season. It was absolutely dreadful. And again, the figures like Elphick and Yednat, they look shot of confidence. It's just horrible what yeah. bad results can do. And we needed a good start and we just didn't. Confidence is confidence, but... Tactics, ability, and just being bloody up for it. Yeah. I mean, where, where are those where are those uh, facets? If there's one statistic that, that rings true, and this is ultimately why Di Matteo's he'll be, be judged on this, we're 19th with 10 points. Newcastle are yeah. third with 22 points, and, I, and, and nowhere near in full swing. And, and just we saw them at Villa Park a couple of weeks ago, and that that showed us everything. All of their shortcomings, we could, you know, despite being god awful for 80 minutes, we competed with them. As well as the the away fans turning against Di, Di Matteo at Deepdale, uh, there was some news that I got about the Newcastle game, which pretty much laid it up that uh, Di Matteo was walking on dodgy ground and needed at probably at least four points against Barnsley and uh, Preston. And that's the fact that 32,000 uh, attendants, which you know seemed all right uh, considering the Upper Trinity was closed... It's a bit like last season when they'd read out the attendances. I always remember Swansea especially, uh, where it would be like 33,000, 34,000. And then you'd look around and you'd think, well, that stands half empty. That stands half empty. The upper halt's the third empty. And there's like no way is that 33,000. And I had a meeting with a club and I was told that the actual physical attendance for uh, Newcastle... I mean, they asked me to guess it, and the official was 32 plus, and the actual physical attendance was 25,000. So that means 7,000 people who had brought tickets or had season tickets didn't bother attending. And you know, fair enough, it's, I don't know if half five makes a big difference, if a half five kickoff does. Uh, it's on TV, but we're talking about people who have already spent the money, they've already got their ticket, or it's a season ticket, and they haven't turned up. So if you've got 7,000, Turning their back on what Di Matteo's doing, you know, you Tony's eye that uh, things aren't going too well. And from a business point of view, it's already failing. It's extremely sad. I'd probably say that the most amount of people out of those 7,000 were to be season ticket holders who probably bought them at the start of the season with loads of hope and promise. And after just dire results, they thought, Newcastle? I can see us getting smashed here. What's the point in going? And the fact that you say it's half five as well, half five is actually probably more convenient for people. I remember getting off the train and someone was like, oh yeah, I was glad it was half five because I managed to get my work done by about four so I could come. Because, I mean, the other the other situation, it's like, apart from the Blues, it's the main it's the main Villa, Villa Park event of the season. I mean, Newcastle at home, this is as big as it gets uh, in the championship and people just thought, fuck it. But uh, I think you, I think, as you said, most people thought we were going to get smashed. So that tells you a lot about the state that we're in. And it's, 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 I mean, it's fucking dire. So, <laughs> see you so, next week. See you next week, kids. So, again, we come to that immortal question: Who's going to be the man that's going to lead us 
out of the fire, out of the frying pan, out of the uh, the grave, out of concrete boots, and get us out of this mess. And uh, I think Dr. Tony's asking the same question repeatedly uh, in his sleep. Now it's time for Twitter with Tony. October 1st. Apologising doesn't always mean you're wrong and others are right. It just means you value your relationship more than your ego. October 1st. A true friend is someone who accepts your past, supports your present and encourages your future. So are fans to the club. October 3rd. A difficult decision for the board, but rather sooner than later we'd make decision or need learn and not repeat mistakes again and again. OTV. I mean, we've got a list of names here. No particular order. We're just going randomly through the first one, and it, it made me laugh today because I quite like uh, I quite like the angle on it. Is uh, Harry Redknapp on Talksport basically saying he he will do the Villa job for free, and you only have to pay him uh, if he gets us to at least the playoffs? Would you take that offer, Dan? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I'm, I've been clear. No. What about if he has his dog as the assistant manager? <laughs> well, he does need someone to read. Yeah. Um, no. Well, the fact is that we would we would blink and we'd wake up and we'd have Nico Crankyar would have would be transferred from from Rangers. Pete Crouch, David James in goal. It's just they'll just Defoe yeah, will be. Sorry, but what you've just said are, are improvements to our current team. <laughs> That's the sad state of affairs, isn't it? That Harry Redknapp, Harry Redknapp would represent, you know, oh God, have we really got to this stage? I mean, for, for, for the listeners, I've got a list in front of me of potential candidates that makes me want to weep. It's Harry Redknapp's the best candidate. I mean, I'm even going, well, Sherwood, Sherwood might be all right. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll 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 get we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, Harry Redknapp's hit something on the head there. I mean, that is the perfect contract to offer the next Villa manager. But also, uh, I mean, I I said I I would I would do that deal. I would have Harry Redknapp as the as the Villa manager for free, and we only have to pay him if he gets us to the playoffs and and beyond. Only if all the players were on exactly the same contract. Yeah, then <laughs> I'd agree to it. You would be watching people playing to be paid essentially let's 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 roll down this random list uh, the next one that popped up uh, and this this just came from some daily mail writer just an online writer just basically doing his rap on the the villa preston game and at the end said Di Matteo looking like he's uh, he's out and Villa will be uh, looking at other managers with people like Steve McLaren in the frame it's just like uh, I think I wrote uh, on the website it's a case of a journalist doesn't specialize in Aston Villa just uh, just pulls a name out of the air or out of his ass just to you know finish off the uh, the article what he probably doesn't expect is uh, the Birmingham Mail takes that as gospel and says, oh, it's rumours that Steve McLaren is in the frame. The same journalists at the Birmingham Mail that have written 
stories about who's going to be the next Aston Villa manager how many times this uh, last year or two they know exactly the lay of the land they specialise in Aston Villa they know there's no fucking way that Steve McLaren is going to be allowed through those doors to be the manager of Aston Villa after he's fucked up at Forest fucked up at Derby didn't get them promoted Newcastle sacked before uh, first of all how the hell did he get the job after failing in the championship to suddenly become potential you know success story at Newcastle was never going to happen so let's just take it for what it is but Steve McLaren uh, Dan thoughts just for the banter (laughs) (laughs) I think I don't even know what to say about Steve McLaren it's not it's not even true so I don't even know what we've been talking about he's got to be if he was to get the job, he would be even more surprised. If he got the job, I'd insist he spoke in that Dutch accent that he had when he was at yeah. FC20. Well, he won the league with FC20, so I actually think he's a good option. Personally. Oh, my God. <laughs> you not need even a joke. Some, someone's sexual. <laughs> you need carrying away. My take on it is, how could he save Villa if he can't even save his own hair? <laughs> can't even save his own haircut on his head. How could he save a club like us? He's got the worst haircut in the world. Let's not linger. Let's get on to something far more exciting, which is the glorious return of the Messiah, Tim Sherwood. Hallelujah. I mean, Hallelujah. What the fuck does some fucking numpty <laughs> think about when they when they think that Sherwood is the answer to this problem? I mean, come on, guys. Stop being so close-minded. This guy masterminded at least one win and insisted that gilets weren't the thing, yet he did wear them. I don't even fucking know what to say about Sherwood. It I think on the uh, yeah on the day uh, that they he, he was sacked by another muppet Tom Fox and that's not my opinion that's Joey Barton's. <laughs> I did a poll on my old man said and Sherwood like should he have been sacked or shouldn't he have been sacked and the majority uh, said he should have stayed and so there's a lot of love but you know I, I joked on Twitter earlier on uh, that there's so much love there that maybe his best potential role would be to appear on Celebrity Big Brother because there'd be pretty good chance that he might win that. It's a personality thing, isn't it? That it, it look, is. look, looking from afar at Sherwood, you can't help but go, <laughs> you know, it's amazing that he can, you know, it's a guy who, there was that video of him, wasn't it? Opening the door to Bodymore Heath with his foot. You know, you just think, <laughs> oh, yeah. Using the disabled <laughs> button to open, you think... Uh, you know, but managing a football team. Is people really, love that. Really... People love that shit. Well, he's a he's a vine. He's a YouTube clip. He's a soundbite, isn't he? But he's yeah. not a manager who's going to get us anywhere. You know, for every semi final win against Liverpool, there was an absolute mm. ma- mauling against Sun- uh, Southampton or a humiliation at Wembley against Arsenal. Was it Sherwood that kept us up, or was it Benteke? I'd say it was Benteke. Yeah. He's got. I am. Um, he, he had a brilliant. Well, he's got a brilliant personality. And every time I think and see on Twitter what people say, like how he got the best out of Benteke, he gave his good memories to the semi-final. But I just think straight away, number one, he couldn't make a substitute, and number two, it was half the reason we got relegated because he didn't ever know how to do a pre-season. I tell you uh, who got the best out of Benteke, and it was his agent when Benteke asked him, uh, "Oh, mate, how do I get out of this shithole?" And his agent said, just score some goals in the last five or six games. Keep this, keep these fuckers up and we'll get you out of here, son. We'll get and you to Crystal Palace quicker than you can imagine. <laughs> we might have to go via Liverpool, which sit that one out for a season, but then we'll get you to Palace. Just lock your windows. And we'll get your brother there as well. <laughs> 
Anyway, let's move on. Let's let's get a little bit more serious. And uh, here's the first name that actually probably has some uh, credence in this uh, diabolical list of contenders, and that's Mr. Potato Head, Steve Bruce. <laughs> actually, I don't mind him as a, as a guy. I think he's he's quite an earnest character. I mean, if you ever watched his uh, interviews, you kind of you know there's, there's a great deal of just he's just kind of an honest, decent chap, but. He's somebody that Villa fans have ridiculed and mocked. And didn't Lee Hendry uh, have a little uh, tete-a-tete with him over his daughter or something? Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) He's played for the Blues, which people forget, and then obviously managed the Blues longer than he's managed anybody else. I mean, that, you know, it's kind of not here or there, or is it? Because... As soon as Filler lose a few games, then suddenly, obviously, there's a section of fans that will dig up the old Blues' dirty laundry and just use that. People are fairly, as we've discussed, people are fairly indifferent to De Matteo going. But if if it all turns sour for Brucey, then uh, it will be shades of McLeish. But flip side is, does Bruce actually have a good chance of uh, turning this around? Because, you know, he's got worse teams than Villa promoted before. Okay, he's he probably has a problem when it comes to the Premier League having any real consistency, but is it because he's not managing or hasn't been managing at a club that can't really penetrate the top 10 and, you know, it's about survival. But anyway, that's that's for another that's for another season. Would you could you see if Bruce came in that Tony it might not be kind of a sexy choice for Tony, so you might Make it's it definitely sh- not a sexy <laughs> choice. I think we can confidently say that sex appeal is not high on the But agenda. he went for De Matteo because of the Champions League thing. He thought he was marketable. There's a new force in town with Steve Round, who's a director of football, and him combined with Wyness might take a more practical approach to the uh, the problem. What, what do you think of uh, Bruce, Dan? I'm not sure he's the one, to be honest. I've got a bad feeling that this could be the route that we go. Uh, I suppose my issue is if, if we're going to get some stability you know not not something so common in the modern game but i have real issue around what he's actually done when he's been at you know you, you alluded to the fact that he's never been with teams who he could perhaps penetrate on and uh, penetrate with <laughs> penetrate uh, who he could who he could grow with who he could grow with and, and and really take on you know i think back recently you know with sunderland he was given he was given a lot of money and, and time uh, by the sunderland owner and without improving them we were we were courting that Hernandez all all summer. The striker, you know, a massive transfer fee, massive wages on sorts on players that you think, you know, that was on his watch. So yes, he's got them promoted. Is is that our that's our objective here and now? But it's a bit checkered. It's a bit checkered the the managerial stuff for me. If he did a great job, got him promoted, then dump him. Do you then dump him because mm. Villa? Turning up in the Premier League with Steve Bruce, we're not not exactly going to uh, scare anybody, are we? But Chad, what's what's your opinion on uh, Stevie Bruce? He's obviously one of the sort of experienced choices that are on the list again, and you know he's got a track record. He's sort of the media's favourite, like it was when we first were looking for a uh, a manager when it came to like everyone was sort of pointing to Nigel Pearson. It seems the same with Bruce now, sort of coming out as the favourite with some people. But um, I think he'd be all right. Obviously, it'd be hard to get past the fact that he's got Blues links. Then again, he's not really a long-term choice, but all we need to do is get promoted. So we could just do a Southampton. Uh, something I should have mentioned really about Bruce. That I mean, I, I was there. I was at St Andrews that the season they got promoted on on the first. I think it was a, a Tuesday or Wednesday night match where it was the en- the infamous Enkelman night. Was you there as a yeah. uh, a Blues season ticket holder? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was before I saw the light. No, no, no. no. Before don't, you uh, <laughs> don't even the mere suggestion that I could pull on that wretched manure-soaked shirt is. <laughs> 
it's just anyway. We, we'll we'll move on. Bruce is a man who we're into McLeish territory here, where you know Bruce celebrated on on his knees on the pitch in front of the Villa fans when they when they beat us on our own. There's a lot of scars that are just asking to be reopened in a season where we need to do a lot better than we have been. And this is this is this is an important season. It's certainly an important eighteen months for the club. Do we really want to entrust it to Steve Bruce? We're in this horrible position where beggars can't be choosers, aren't yeah, we? As well, I mean, and this is the big problem. Uh, let's speaking of beggars can't be choosers. What, what, what do you think about Big Sam? Now, here's, here's another manager that no Villa fan would have entertained five or six years ago. Uh-huh. Well, he's he's a bit ucky, isn't he? A bit dodgy. Reputation is a bit tarnished. Uh, do you really want to take an England, you know, reject? Well, we he had a hundred percent win ratio. <laughs> <laughs> like Sherwood. I, I think of it like this, and this, considering what I just said about Bruce, it might seem a bit strange. Forget about the Telegraph stuff and the revelations about that. Of who's available, he's probably one of the most competent managers for what we need. You know, look at what he when West Ham got relegated, they were they were a shambles. He somehow got them back to the Premier League and was was dumped by them. I'm not suggesting that Sam Allardyce is some sort of genius or what you know really where we want to be, but he he perhaps is in in my head the kind of manager who will get us up and then you say thank you very much, Sam. Like um like West Ham did actually, they used him as a vehicle to get themselves back and then moved on. Let me break this down. The situation that we're in, we need a managerial character who's got big enough bollocks to take the limelight away from the twitter king i think fans have fans have fallen for dr tony but he hasn't actually done anything yet apart from create a team and choose a manager that has brought us one win i mean uh, people are making banners about him saying i do not choose the best well we gathered that by your first managerial appointment Hmm. I was chosen by the best, and you shouldn't be, you, should, you know, come on, you shouldn't be knocking up, going to the effort of knocking up banners yeah, for a, for a Chinese businessman who's uh, desperate to get us in the Premier League to make money. Yeah, it's premature. I mean, the the guy who the guy who makes these banners, he, he's an excitable chap. It's well intentioned, but sometimes you just got to think you've got to achieve some. You've got to achieve greatness before you become great. You know, I I can go on Twitter and, and say all these fantastic things about Villa, but unfortunately, no one's going to crowdfund a banner and put my face on it. But it's turned into a little bit of a circus. A counter personality, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Di Matteo did not step up and he I think we joked on the podcast before that well I joked that I actually forgot Di Matteo was the manager of Villa at, yeah. uh, some, at a few points because Dr Tony's been making comments about players and sending players public messages telling them to buck up and all this kind of thing and you know Roberto Di Matteo I lost a little bit of faith in him when he uh, when he told Dr Tony to send Jack Grealish a motivational video or something i mean it's just turned into a circus which distracts from the job in hand which is promotion so we need a manager who doesn't mess around can rally these guys and let's face it i think there's enough players there to get us back in the top half and near the Mm -hmm. uh, playoffs within uh, let's say the next 10 games without much of a problem the tools are there and Di Matteo had the tools but he just seemed to be half-hearted about the whole thing yeah i'd agree with that so next, the next one on the list, David Wagner, who <laughs> most people uh, had never heard of until last week. Exactly. Just trying to remember if he cropped up when he was still at uh, Borussia Dortmund. I don't think he did, did he? No. No. Uh, the first time I'd really heard about him is the fact uh, this preseason that he apparently took the Huddersfield squad into the um, Swedish wilderness. Did you know about what, that? 
for some big sex orgy. <laughs> I think I don't know how many days it was, but he took them into the Swedish wilderness for like team building, and he took their phones off them. They had no toilets, no beds, nothing. <laughs> Not joking. There's an article <laughs> no on food. it. Crazy, but yeah. David Wagner, yeah, and the villain manager, yeah. So uh, what? So what? I don't know why he talks like Bruno. <laughs> David <laughs> <Yeah>, Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> So Gabby's gonna run so quick, yeah, and uh, yeah, her vest foot, her vest foot is so and oh my god, look at his boots. <laughs> no, right, anyway, um, yeah. seriously, uh, Herr Wagner, he's come in, he's he's gone on his Swedish retreat, and he's come in in November, so he's he's had a little bit of time to get his uh, shit together with that team, focus them, take him to some uh, Swedish na- naturalist resort. <laughs> He's top of the league. Why is it? Why would you want to come and train with Gabby Agbonnahor? They're five wins ahead of Villa. It's going to be a swing of five wins. Hmm, let me and just think about that. Hmm. Let me think about that. Uh, I'll get the keys to the city in Huddersfield. I mean, that's not exactly that enticing. But basically, he'll have statues made of him. And he'll be able to get any job he wants. If he managed to get a team like Huddersfield, no disrespect, but they do have Hogg in their midfield, to, uh, to the Premier League... Then I mean he he'll be known as the brightest managerial uh, candidate out there. So he just has to wait until one of the big guns gets sacked, and he can pick any job he wants. So going to Villa is it's like are we going to suggest that that's a step down? Is that where we've fallen to? We are, aren't we? Well, this that... is a sad thing because he'll be like skydiving into a into quicksand if he if he joins Villa. Because there's, there's no guarantees he's going to get out. And Christ, that is depre- he, isn't that depressing? When you actually he, stop and think about it, what has happened to our football club? I've seen fans being like, um, oh, uh, enjoy your last moments with Wagner as your manager because we're the fifth most successful football club. So he's just going to join us in an instant. Then you're a bit deluded. I think it's like Eddie Howe, where he's, you know, he's obviously been offered X amount of jobs. I'm, I'm sure he's been offered three or four Premier League jobs uh, since he won promotion with Bournemouth. But he knows, you know, he's still young. And I think David Wagner's, was he 44? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Time, time's on his side. This, you know, football's not going anywhere. So rather than rather than go into like a which is pretty much a bear trap. I mean, I'm coming up with all these analogies to describe Aston Villa at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but rather than risk risk the acid bath of uh, <laughs> of uh, Villa, let's just keep these things. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I would just go for promotion to Huddersfield. They've got a good crack at it. Of course, uh, Norwich and Newcastle will, uh, I think those three will slug it out. But 
There is this problem in football, uh, instant gratification, and David Wagner is flavour of the month at the moment, but he actually hasn't really achieved anything. And in any league, there's always a team, there's always a pace-setting team. Yeah. If you look at those top three, for example, and, you know, if I asked you, out of those top three, Norwich, Newcastle, Huddersfield, which two of those three will be automatically promoted this season, which which two would you choose? Norwich, Newcastle. Yeah, so would I. So it's a bit of a knee-jerk reaction. Are oh, these guys top of the league? He must be good. Let's get him. <laughs> if you'd have asked me three months ago who he is, I wouldn't have been able to tell you, genuinely. Yeah. That's not to say he's not good at what he does. The other thing is, he can't, if we want him, and this is the annoying thing, that it's not a case of, oh, Aston Villa can go out and get anyone. But if we if we were to approach him and we've got the luxury of having a big pile of money, we, we can get him. But is that actually, is he the person who we need? Is he the best man for the job? I don't. I don't know. You know, because good, good for every Dave, David Wagner. Is there a, you know, the Norwich boss or, you know, what's the yeah. difference? What is the difference? Is he, is he just someone new who we've never heard of? And if you did get him, isn't that just a massive gamble? He has the uh, the sexy Borussia Dortmund connection. But if you put yourself in his shoes, if I was so did in Paul his... Lambert. So did Paul Lambert. Can I just put that in there? But no, if, if I was uh, David Wagner, I would, if I had the choice, I think I would want to avoid the managerial slaughterhouse. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a good to. slaughterhouse, is it? It's not like a, it's not an RSPCA friendly slaughterhouse. This is deepest, darkest Spain where you get, you know, a bullet rod through the brain. And, everywhere. and before you know it, you're Remy guard. You just sprawled on a French beach going, I could have been a Tim Sherwood. Oh dear. But uh, yeah. I, d- I think because there's no guarantees with him and he may become uh, the best manager in Europe. But at this moment, I think it's too much of a risk and I don't think he would take the job. No. Chad, would you echo that? Doubt he'd take the job, to be honest, yeah. It's true. And also, again, he's, he's, a, he's a bit of a football yeah. hipster's choice. A bit like Remy Gard. Do you know what I mean? He's sort of, oh, credentials, he did all this, but yeah, yeah he's... he's uh, he could all he could all fall to pieces. We could give Huddersfield a massive compensation package. Go, there's a four year contract, and then he could just fade away because he's obviously built something good at Huddersfield, so he couldn't just come in and replicate it. So yeah. it's a risk. Speaking of uh, the ultimate football hipsters' choice, unfortunately, uh, the sad news after uh, RDM got sacked was the fact that Swansea had appointed Bob Bradley. <laughs> Who uh, I thought it was after being linked to Villa for the last twenty-seven thousand consecutive seasons. <laughs> yeah, after the, well, the last uh, he was even linked at the time of Lambert, was he not? Yeah, yeah, years and years and years. But uh, he's going to Swansea, which is a bit of a bizarre one because I don't think Swansea really should have sacked uh, their current manager because he's they've had a bit of a difficult start to the season in terms of fixtures. So anyway, no Bob, so at least that one's settled. But maybe he'll be sacked in the next week and he'll be available. Uh, Fingers crossed. Maybe he can bring his he can bring his son back with him, Michael. <laughs> Make him captain. Right. Anyway, moving on. Dean Smith. There's somebody who's actually it's, it's become a serious discussion. What, what what do you think there? Uh well, again, uh, he's doing all right with Brentford. He's a Villa fan, so that's basically where the links have come from. Big big risk. The, the interesting thing about Smith is that I mean, I, I have a bit of a passing interest in Warsaw, and and he made them half good. You know, a, t- a team that a team that's done nothing. He managed to get to the. I think they got to the playoff final, did they? With him under in League One. You know, a team that's always been middling and lower. This is this is where we're going to be next season. So we need to plan ahead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just one little thing. Uh, I can imagine the press conference in China, in Beijing. <laughs> So, Dr. Tony, the Champions League winner uh, that you did have, you've sacked him and you've replaced him with somebody who made Warsaw half good. <laughs> <laughs> 
Come on, me puppies. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. This is... Uh, what did I say earlier on? Uh, this is how, what it's become, that I'm looking at a Warsaw manager who... Oh, that's that's about it, really, isn't it? That yeah, is, this, is, I don't think that one's going to happen. I mean... It's, it's uh, not. He hasn't got enough. I, I had a quick look at uh, Gary Rowlett. He's not actually on this list we have in front of us. The Blues manager, and on he was he went on... At WM Radio yeah. and did a live live Q and A with supporters, and I thought he came across pretty well. And he he had the kind of let's say the mentality and the attributes of somebody who's rolled his sleeves up, hasn't had that much money, and just practically got on with it, organised, learnt from his mistakes, and turned the Blues into a, you know half decent force that should be threatening around the playoffs. And we have to uh, remind everybody that they do have twice the amount of points that we have at the moment. <gasps> But do do you think that kind of I don't know if it, again are they sexy enough for uh, the the good doctor but an up and coming manager or do you think that it's somebody who's got to have a proven track record been there done that we're not going to get any super names anymore we've we've no. probably got to resign ourselves to that fact I think it will just be a proven manager to be honest the ones at the media are all screaming out like a Bruce. Literally, I think we just I mean, need to resign ourselves if we're going to get Steve Bruce. People uh, still talk about Mick McCarthy, but I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, you're looking at Ipswich, who is in the you know the bottom half of the league. It's, it's hardly a... It's not aspirational, is it, really? No. no, it's not a go-getter anymore, McCarthy. I think he's he's stuck in a bit of a rut there. I mean, obviously, he'd love, he'd love to take the job, but again, if you were choosing... They're all much of the same as him, Big Sam, Bruce, and you'd probably... Bruce's the one that shines a little bit more because he's he's not attached to anybody. Well, that's it. When you're looking at those names, you know, if it, I'd rather we I'd rather we approach to Dean Smith over a Mick McCarthy because at least you've got a bit of an unknown element there. Um, yeah. There's danger attached to that. But with a Mick McCarthy, <clears throat> we are going to become a middling nothing team like Ipswich Town. That that's you know, yeah. with all due respect to them, that you know, like you say, stuck in a rut. It's kind of like the same with you know, we've already talked about McLaren. You know what you're going to get. The, the list isn't greatly inspiring is it the appointment that villa made that actually pacified pacified about de mateo and that was getting in steve clark as uh, an assistant manager and i think that was kind of made with one eye on if de mateo goes tits up at least we have uh, a caretaker manager an interim manager to actually bide us a little bit of time if for example uh, the manager that we wanted wasn't on the market at that time or there was some kind of wranglings that take you know two or three weeks to clear up but Steve Clark I read a piece about how he would actually have a cent- central part to play uh, before De Matteo was officially announced I mean a few people said well he's part of De Matteo's gang and he'll probably you know leave with De Matteo but I didn't think that was the case I think this was, was definitely an appointment within the managerial structure that Di Matteo was a, an independent link. And if he if he wasn't performing, then Steve Clark can just step up straight away. And you look at that list and you think, well, actually, I'd take Steve Clark over yeah. half of those schmucks. 100%. So I think there's a disadvantage that, in his eyes, that probably the international break is there because I don't think it's going to make much of a difference. He's already working with the team. But if he was setting up a team, if we were playing Wolves next week and we beat Wolves and then we win the next game, then we win the next game while this managerial search is going on. And if we find ourselves at the end of October and suddenly he beats the Blues, who are the Villa fans cheering for? I think the thing with Steve Clark is that he didn't do so well at Reading, but actually he didn't do a bad job at the Albion. And that's... 
Yeah, I, I thought he was doing all right, and then he just—I mean, every manager has a, a bad spurt of form, and as yeah. soon as he hit hit that, they got rid of him. Which I thought it was a bit rash because I mean, you look at his credentials and as as an assistant manager, and it's pretty hard to equal that. I mean, a lot of people say, "Oh, well, assistant managers doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be you know the main man," but uh, there's not that many main man out, men out there anymore because we're reading that list that we've just read. If you look at the way we were talking about Di Matteo when he was first appointed, and we were a bit iffy on him and a bit like, ooh, I'm not really sure that appointment's quite a positive one. A lot of the fans are very iffy, including myself. But as soon as they announced Steve Clark, an assistant, it sort of brightened up the mood of everyone then because you felt yeah. like you had a hands-on guy who was going to sort you out and help Di Matteo. So I like the look of him, really, especially over a lot of those names. I mean, a few people have said, yeah, but you know, you, you look at Steve Clark and he's just sitting on the on the bench and he's not very, he's not getting involved and he's not very animated. Well, it's probably because he's sitting there, he's filing his nails, thinking, <laughs> uh, how many games until this schmuck they get rid of this yeah. schmuck so I can take over. But Dan, you've you've been quite quiet on this whole Steve Clark uh, angle. What what do you think of him? I think he's actually a very very good coach, and you know, you mentioned him not being very animated when. When Dimitri was struggling, I probably think because that's out of that's out of respect for the fact that he wasn't the manager. You know, you you, you yeah. do see quite you do see some vocal assistant managers, but he's not going to be seen to be overstepping the mark, is he? I have to say I do like him, and, and similar to what what Chad said and what we've all said previously is that he, you know, in that three of of coaches and, and managers that were put together, he was the one who I was probably most assured about and thought. I can I can see the logic in having some someone like him around. Dimitri came with question marks, didn't he? You know, even with the yeah. Champions League win. It was at the back end of a season and with Chelsea. With the Albion, he you know, didn't end well. Yeah, didn't have a great time at Schalke, falling out big style with their owner. Um, I'm not saying that I, I, I didn't think that Dimitri offered something, but we quite quickly learned out learned what his shortcomings were. With Clark, I think we actually, we, we talk about what we, we know what we're going to get with people. I think we know what we get with Clark. He's steady, isn't he? Is that, is that what I'm trying to say? Yeah, but the interesting thing is that he obviously, he knows what's gone on and he probably has an inkling of what has gone wrong. Mm. But also, he, if he has a word with Steve Round and, you know, Wyness and, and said, look, just give me give me four games. Mm-hmm. Because in this month, the this month of October, after the international break, what there is, as I've already mentioned, are games that Wolves, Birmingham, you know, derbies, if you win them, that gives you uh, more of a boost in momentum as a manager in the eyes of, you know, general Villa fans as, uh, you know, just being any other games. If you win the Blues, you've suddenly got brownie points. I wonder if the difference as well to a degree. Look at look at how when uh, Eric Black inherited the, the dreaded caretaker or the, the acid bath or whatever we want to, we want <laughs> yeah. to refer to it as. Uh, we, we need a new one. We need a, uh, the, you know, when Eric Black walked into the Temple of Doom and thought, what you know, he was quite quick, quite clear from the outset that he didn't want the job. I remember the interview and he was just like laughing like, <laughs> no. I think Clark's got, there's an incentive here for Clark because as you say, he probably needs a good managerial stint. You look at the three or four games, not only could you put... You could get massive, massive stock amongst the Villa fans if you win two or three of those games. Ah. But actually, this is what, <laughs> for want of a better phrase, that will really turn the owner onto him. Because well, our next away he, games against Reading, imagine if he wins the next away game and breaks the whole record. That's well, a massive boost anyway, isn't it? So, Well, and that's his former club. What, what, yeah. what better What better yeah. place to want to be? Let's Let's look at it from his point of view. He's he's not you know he's not going to be happy is he being number two because he's already uh, got a taste for being the number one man and after West Brom he went to Reading and that shows you he hasn't retreated straight away and this is probably the best opportunity he's going to get now absolutely as I as I said it's a bit of an inconvenience with that 
international break because that does give time for the Villa board to have a little look around and obviously talk to people like Steve Bruce or whatever. Is Steve Bruce so, so much better than uh, Steve Clark? People That's screaming. The point. That's the point. Pe- people screaming uh, at this podcast. Yes, he is. But I think there's not that much difference between Steve Clark and a lot of these guys. And I'm not here saying, hey, let's make Steve Clark the uh, manager. I'm saying, let's take our time and you yeah. might as well. Uh, Give him a chance. Well, he's got to make he's more sense enough. than a Redknapp. He's got to make more sense than a McLaren. Sherwood, we know everything about. Sam Allardyce is. Not going to be doing anything quickly, is he, after after what's happened? Yeah. Wagner's yeah. either not going to leave Huddersfield or is too much of a risk. Dean Smith, nah. Mick McCarthy, not, not good enough. Pearson is a loony, so nah. What what I'm saying with Steve Clark is not like he's the next Villa manager. I'm, I'm saying he's, he's a decent caretaker manager in terms of giving us a bit more time not to make some stupid mm. lunatic decision on the next manager and... With that time that he gives us to look for another manager, he also has a potential carrot of uh, proving himself. If he wins the next away game and then beats uh, the Blues after also beating Wolves, then, uh, you know, give him to uh, January. If you haven't got a manager in then, then... Uh, we could always we'll get him... Phil Brown in or someone like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or Paul Paul Jewell. He's he's good, isn't he? Ter- Terry you, Connor. Used... Terry Connor from the Wolves. Malky McCaw. <laughs> Felix McGath. Oh. He did all right. He did all right. <laughs> anyway, T- Tony uh, Adams. Tony Adams. We love him. Soul Campbell. Dwight York. Pepe Mel. John Carver. Yes. Oh, no, that's the one. Oh, he could be the face of Aston Villa, couldn't he? Paolo Di Canio. Steve Keane. The old Blackburn boss. <laughs> Paul Lambert. Oh. He's available on a free. Can, can you remember when this podcast used to be good? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> G'day and welcome back to Jednak's Jungle. Last week I revealed the baby delight Adam made it through. Today, more bad news. The Italian stallion has had to be put down. Truth be told, she was lying. My mate Tony, he did the honourable thing and he put her out of her misery. Asleep easy. It was short and sweet. Now the search starts for a new leader to take the pride forward. Who would it be? Carver? McLaren? Sherwood? Bloody hell, it's enough to drive a man to drink. One thing's for sure, it's going to be one hell of a ride. Bruce? Steve? Bruce? Marvellous, Steve. The lurking. The lurking in those bushes, Steve. Bloody pervert. I asked uh, viewers to send in some uh, questions. I'm just going to ask them to both of you. We're using the hashtag MomsQT, as in question time. You know, a bit like, you know, Parliament. You see where it's coming from? First one, this is from This Charming Man, D the Villain. We can't keep having a hiring and firing situation. Something much deeper has to be wrong at the club. What are your thoughts? Chad? Uh, We cursed. We need a um priest we need some sort of like yeah yeah we need a priest to come and uh bless Villa Park with some holy water exercise <laughs> do an ex a mass exorcism on yeah. the middle of the pitch yeah. before each game and they'll look around they go I'm sure there was seven thousand more people here than <laughs> maybe that's what they've done maybe they maybe they've had their souls removed by Tony Tony Zai's machine I don't know what I don't even know what to say it's weird. <laughs> We're in a deep hole and it's going to take a long time to get out. The only thing I was thinking about, Tony's first major action that's impacted upon the club that has been negative was the decision to go with Di Matteo. 
Right. So, yeah. and and that's something that he's because Dimitar has been quite poor. That's something he's managed to escape criticism for. That's the one big call that he's got badly wrong. I think that's why he's had to act now because it's it was going very sour very quickly. Yeah. yeah. Right, let's see what else we've got here. This is a, a tweet on the Sunday. I mean, I we already knew uh, that RDM was a goner on the Saturday. But anyway, let's read it out. Can't eject RDM now. Quality replacements too thin on the ground. See how October, November go. Else will be a bigger laughing stock. That was Roger Weir on Twitter. Well, sorry, Roger. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Uh... Uh, he's been ejected, but uh, Roger does make some good points in terms of uh, quality replacements, as we have uh, discussed, are very thin on the ground and will be uh, a big laughing stock. Well, come on, uh, we, already are one. we already are one. That's been well, well established. Anyway, let's let's go to another one. Oh, here's here's one from uh, Joe, and I apologise, Joe, if I can't pronounce your name, but I've struggled with words sometimes. <laughs> it's uh, Joe Joe Blewett, and he says, "Who's more culpable for our position, players or manager?" Ooh, Dan. Ooh, Di Matteo tactically has been poor, but 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 I mean, I I, I think Yedinak's been poor. Alfix got worse as the season's got on. Galini's been ropey. AU is coming for some reasonable criticism. There's plenty to pick at in terms of individual players. And that's why I was surprised to hear of their bafflement that Di Matteo was sacked because I think half of it was their fault. Yeah, so you're going kind of down the line as the players' collective and the manager. It's pretty 50-50, would you say? I'm going to go uh, just players, I am. But I'm going to go players because of the way um, just individual mistakes have cost us and the way um, a lot of players haven't performed. Like, like we spoke before about Gary Gardner, etc. But and Westwood yeah. in this league. But yeah, I'm going to go mostly players. But the fact that Di Matteo isn't the top of manager to be able to get players out of a hole, he, I don't think he's got those man management skills to be able to go, come on, sort your performances out. So in the end, he had to face the chop. He had to go. we got to get someone else in. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Another question from regular My Old Man Said follower Phil McQueenan. With the squad we have, and assuming all fit, what is our best team Stroke formation. I'm going to go um, two up front and three at the back. What? That's what I'm going to go. Sorry. Uh, that's a five-a-side team. Actually, do you know what I'm going to go for? Four, four, two. Yeah. Can you, can, you, can you talk in proper formations, please? There we go. I'm going to go four, four, two. We have to have two up front all the time. We can't, and we can't have more than two up front. Can you name the players, please? That was the question. Um, so I'm going to go Galini and go. Bakuna. Then I'm going to go Chester and Baker. Then I'm going to go Amava. Then I'm going to go Adoma, Grealish, Yedinak, Shibola, Gusted, and Ayu. Wow. Actually, yes. Let me stop you there. So you've just dumped 30 million odds, uh, <laughs> just, just less than 30 million <clears throat> quid's worth of striking Well, I don't want to shoehorn them. I don't want to shoehorn 30 million pounds jogger into right wing. All right. So just, just to clarify, first choice attacking partnership, Ayu and Gusted. I don't know. It can be controversial. Just say yes. Yeah, go on then. This is why Chad would never make a football manager. (laughs) That's why I keep losing on football manager. Damn. Right, Dan, what's your uh, take on this uh, question? 442. Both old school boys. We've got to go back to basics here. We've got to go back to basics here. So who are you going for? Steer and goal? No, I mean, realistically, Galini. I do think Steer could be tried now, though. I don't think we've got until January. We've got nothing to lose. Right Were you just about to say Alan Hutton? No, no, no. Do you know what? I I, I recovered to say yes. Bakuna. I'm going to be contra- controversial left back and I'm going to say Sissoko. 
and Chester and Elphick at the centre half. Oops, silence suggests that's not a good pick. No, no, just get on with it. That's uh, what mid- silence midf- is. Midfield, two two wide players: Adama Grealish, centre mid, Tishbola, Jedinak. Up front, Kodja, McCormack. Ooh. There you go. But Kodja can't win a header. Yeah, Doesn't matter. Well, he knows where the goal is. Knows where the goal is. And I think yes, McCormack's. The... He didn't know where the goal was against Preston. But moving on. Go on. <laughs> My uh, formation and team, uh, because I'm a bit more economical in terms of appreciating listeners' time, is it would be exactly the same as Dan's with... Uh, I've written about this on the site, so go to myoldmansaid.com. With uh, McCormack playing a little off uh, Codger up front, mm. and I would use Gestead as an impact chap off the bench, as he has been, and AU... AU's a weird one, because if we were in the Premier League, I'd have him on the bench, but in impact the Championship... Player. In the championship, he's kind of better than most of those players in that league, but he doesn't create that unit that you need of all these players working for each other, awareness, passing, unselfishness, etc., etc. So I, I would I would have him in and out on a kind of rotational basis. Anyway, uh, let's quickly move on. Let's just have a quick final uh, Twitter question uh, from David Blick. Is football broken? Yes. Yes, I mean, it's just a yes. 100%. FA, UEFA, FIFA, England, national team, Aston Villa. Southampton's assistant manager. Uh, yeah, all the, all, the, all the crooked shysters as well. Steve Bruce even being spoken about being Villa manager. Lincoln, Lincoln City being a non-league team. Football is very much broken. Uh, anyway, let's move on. We, we started a, a segment called The Improvers, which... The origins came from a, a video on Twitter where Aston Villa asked its players what part of their game could they improve. We thought we'll do that where we'll just pick one player at random and then discuss uh, how they can improve. Do they have the potential to improve or is it kind of game over? And this week we're going to focus on somebody who uh, I think the billing he came with was he was going to sort out our midfield and be uh, give it steel strength and make it battle ready for the championship which is uh mr yedinak and he's probably been the biggest dis- disappointment of all the signings has he not chad well there's a reason why crystal palace sold him do you know what i mean like literally i sat there watching the preston games just he looks leggy he looks like he's lost his legs he looks like he's gone i don't know if it's just early signs because of a bit of fatigue because of the fact he's been away on international jury etc picked up a few knocks but the pass for the first goal he might as well be a playmaker for the other team, or no? It was, it was almost like Westwood and uh, Jed, Jedinak were having a competition who could be uh, who could get the most assists for the, yeah. for the opposition. <laughs> the first couple of games, you looked at him and you thought, hang on a minute, he's, he's, A, he's not really uh, encroaching over the halfway line. He seems to be, be sticking in a very rigid uh, defensive midfield position in front of the, uh, the two centre-backs, or the three centre-backs, depending which game uh, we're, we're talking about here. But he broke up play okay, but some of his, let's say, short passing was... I mean, it was wayward, uh, is an understatement. Well, he's meant to be a crunching tackle specialist as well. I think I've only seen him do one so far for that. Hit. And then you're in a position where, well, the only player that's worth his... Worth his name of a midfielder has been uh, Tish Bowler, but he seems to be seems still not to be Mister Hundred Percent Fitness. I mean, the fact that the Matteo rested him against Preston seemed to be a bit of a uh, bit of a question mark over his head. I'd just like to see Yedinak have a run of games, and it's right what both of you said. He, he just hasn't been good enough in you know tackling. There hasn't been enough of that. <laughs> the, the, the assist for the for the Preston goal, the distribution's been poor. 
the opposite the, the, of everything we expected, you know, especially for someone who says the sky's the limit when he joined. Well, to be honest, he spent most of his time flying since he's joined us. So you know, yeah. it's not, ex- not an excuse because he has been poor. But you know, look, look, even look, even now, you know, I spoke, I spoke on the earlier podcast about him being in Australia and the UAE, getting injured, jet lag, all that shit. It's already back out in the Middle East now, in Jeddah. In you know, news training I was reading today, he was training in thirty-six degrees heat. The guy is barely fit. Do you think, in terms of choosing the players that they they have, I mean, what what have we got in front of us? We've got this long season of uh, forty-six games. It's a slog. So the key players that they've gone out and bought are players. One of them, uh, let's say, there's well, there's two of them, uh, Adomar and uh, Kodja, who will obviously miss uh, games, valuable games uh, through the African nations, and also and AU and AU. Sorry, and those three also uh, are obviously going on international duty in the meantime in the qualifiers already. And then you've got Yedinak, who was kind of bought as the midfield enforcer stroke linchpin i mean he doesn't even know what day it is because he flies around the world so much when it comes to uh, international duty so this is not a great let's say a great way of uh, bedding down a uh, a strong decent team obviously if you want to buy better players uh, they tend to be internationals but i mean talk about buying players from the wrong countries it's disruptive is it not well, we're already talking about January, quite earlier, and we're already talking about January, saying that we need midfielders and make, we need cover. And I don't feel like we're going to last. Like When you look at the midfielders... Crap. Well, Dishbola's been either injured or not fit enough to start. Yedinak hasn't looked in... You know, we, we spoke on the uh, a couple of weeks ago in his in his opening game. Wasn't able to move out the centre circle. He was that leggy. Pres- yeah. Preston, he looked as, as leggy. <laughs> you know, take them out of the team. Our other options are Westwood and Gardner. That tells me that despite all of the investment in the summer, we were woefully un- unprepared, particularly after what I've said as well. In, in Yedinak, you've got someone who literally flies halfway around the world every every month. Well, I when think... they do go away to on international duty, we're going to be right down to the bare bones of our school, aren't we? Absolutely. Look, what, say, say they get genuine long-term injuries. I mean, arguably, I don't think Yedinak's been... I think he's been injured since the he got injured playing for Australia against Iraq. Yeah. He, he hasn't looked in any shape for me. Tushbola, I think, has probably been 80% fit. And whenever he's got to that stage, he's been thrown in. And that can't be good. And I wonder whether that's why he disappeared against Preston, because he's nursing something or he's carrying something. I mean, you look at some of the, the formations. Some, well, there's not, not, not necessarily the formations, but the players in the formations. We are essentially being playing, if you boil down those players into their what their natural positions are, we've been playing 4-2-4 mm, a lot of the time. And uh, a lot of Villa fans have been screaming out, we need to play three in midfield. Problem is, we haven't got three decent midfielders. Because I'm sorry, but the person who keeps hassling me on Twitter about uh, Ashley Westwood being the best midfielder that we've got, just look back at the highlights of the Preston game and uh, get back to me. Because not only was he dispossessed, I mean, he, he was all over the shot. Look at how weak he was for the second goal. Wait, exactly. Yeah. It was a mirror of the goal the the goal we conceded against Nottingham Forest, where I think Gardner had lost the ball and, and Westwood was in an identical position and got out-muscled. Th- that's going to happen every single week in the Championship. Every yeah, well, it's, week. Been, it's been uh, happening the last few years, I think. Exactly. Next game, Wolves. I mean, is this a derby that means anything to anybody? No, not really. I think it, it, it's one of these that's sort of created <laughs> created by the local press, isn't it, to sort of whip up a bit of interest. But um, I think you know, as, as a kid, what I liked, uh, this is going back to the eight, early 80s, I always thought the two 
kits look good on the same pitch together just because they would you know <laughs> orange and claret blue weren't you know it's not the traditional white blue red that early wolves kit and the early villa kit the i think the one kind of won the league in or the early 80s kit they just looked great uh in the early days and i also remember had the villa and wolves sabutio uh sets but apart from that uh, uh, you know it's a classic it? fixture on, on on paper isn't it but not a lot else i mean in, in mm. the modern in the modern era we i think aside from a couple of seasons in the premier league and perhaps a cup game i can't remember many times we've actually faced off, off against them and, and you know to be honest the wolves would probably consider the albion to be their derby wouldn't they yeah wolves i have nothing really to say just reading your notes about wolves <laughs> <laughs> what clog dancing inbred knuckle dragging donkey jacket wearing steve ball loving sister marion yam yam bastards well, I think, but they uh, lost i mean they lost to norwich they lost to huddersfield and they drew with burton they got hammered four nil by barnsley but they beat newcastle at st james's they have which is weird as i described them uh previously they're they're a team where if you had a three-sided coin it doesn't matter who they play you just flip that to get the result because they're so random that it's hard to call i mean if you were betting on wolves for a living it'd be a bit of a nightmare I think it'll be an interesting game. I'm actually looking forward to it. I mean, mainly because obviously old RDMs are out the picture now. So it's always interesting once a manager goes, how whoever it is, whether it's a new manager or caretaker, actually sets up. Because you're going to get an insight now, if Steve Clark is uh, in the position to pick the team uh, against Wolves, what he was actually thinking when Di Matteo was uh, putting out the team sheet. If it's radically different, if it's the same, then, uh, oh, God help us. Anyway... Let's close this rambling show with uh, the traditional five reasons to be cheerful. And we're really scraping the barrel this week. <laughs> Chad, number one. I'm going to go with the away support. I'm going to go what? with the fact that we took 5,700 to Preston. That was one of them. And everyone was upbeat, it, even after however many days that we haven't had an away win for. And I can't actually remember many teams taking that many fans, especially to any away game, especially not to um, Preston. Yeah, I think I think half half the attraction. Well, there's two attractions to Preston. One is it's close to Blackpool. I know uh, a few villains kind of obviously had a a night uh, stroke weekend uh, at, at Blackpool. Uh, also, a good thing is obviously they offered this big allocation, yeah. which uh, is kind of unusual to get almost 6,000 at any ground, unless it's a cup game or something. And uh, the other thing is, uh, obviously, a lot of fans hadn't been to that stadium. I don't know. It's it's. I don't think it's about the football anymore that people go away. It's more the crack and obviously uh, going with your mates. It's more of a social event because they haven't won for, you know, it's over well over a year now. Fingers crossed it comes soon. But it is interesting uh, that West Brom only took 750 to Sunderland, which, uh, I mean, I think I said on Twitter, it actually doesn't matter how many fans you take to away games, it's how many points you get. Yeah. <laughs> Even those bloody statistics. Yeah, but it, fortunately it's fucking true. Uh, number two. I mean, although I think that the call ultimately was was Dr. Tony's to appoint Di Matteo, and it seemed to be flawed pretty soon into his reign. At least he's acted swiftly, you know, and, and the fact that he's got rid, he's made the big call, and at the very least he's acting single-mindedly to try and get us in the right direction, back to the Premier League. How resigned are you to uh, having a second season in the Championship, or do you think that's a bit defeatist to say that at this stage? I don't think it's it's a case of being defeatist. I think... Th Realistic? Th 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 yeah, yeah, the scale of the job on... The scale of the job is 
was always going to be massive. I think that the the big issue that we've had is that we haven't tried hard enough for a lot of people's um, money. You know, it's. I think we could live with finishing tenth if we can say, well, do you know what? We were unfortunate here, or we were just outplayed there. But it's been frustrating things like the Ipswich game. We were incredibly poor. The Preston game. We, you know, we don't actually deserve to win those games. And you look across the games that we drew. Well, you know, surrendering victories where only wins seem possible. If if we're staying in this league for another season, when it comes around to pre-season, you want to be sort of feeling optimistic again, don't you? Or But when the season closes, you want to be sat in about wherever you say 10th and you want to be feeling like, oh yeah, next season we're definitely going to gonna give it a good go and probably go up for the moment. So it's that upward trajectory, isn't it, that we don't seem to have it. You know, we're sitting yeah. in 19th where you're thinking we're not really going to be having a relegation scrap, are we? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the, uh, also a tipping point that uh, I don't think anybody's actually comprehended that could be possible when it uh, obviously could be possible but let's not even go there at this stage players as long as they uh they think about their reputations i mean obviously they they've been thinking about how much money they've got in the bank from moving to villa but uh they if they pull their bloody socks up we've got enough players there to blow teams away still i reckon it's just they've got to find a way of creating a an effective formation with the actual that hole in the midfield to kind of get around it, I mean, part of my idea of dropping McCormack back a bit was to, you know, take take up a bit of a space in the midfield yeah. that seems to... Uh, but I don't know uh, if he's that much of a willing uh, worker and tracker backer because I think he, he takes one for the team before he, uh, you know, actually tackles. He'd just rather trip somebody up than uh, <laughs> work his socks off. But I don't know. It's uh, it's a puzzling one. The playoffs on our side, let's just say that. The third one, we've obviously saved money on bed sheets. I think. This is probably the most painless sacking of a manager we've had for a while. Uh, I mean, I think Remy Gard just kind of faded, faded into, uh, faded into the mist. But uh, it's the acid bath, isn't it? You just dissolves. <laughs> 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 but uh, this one was was pretty painless. It was like well, it wasn't even a public execution. It was, he was disappeared, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he concrete boots in the uh, Birmingham canals. <laughs> anyway, number four reason to be cheerful. Anybody, Chad? I'm going to go with the fact that it's another fresh start. To be honest, Team Mateo's out, and we got new these, fresh ideas. What ideas? From a new manager, we, got, we get we to got, see the same players, but in a different formation. I can't wait for the return of Agbon Lahore. Oh, no. <laughs> or Kozak. Christ. Is Kozak still around? Has he been dissolved as well? Yeah. Now, where is he? <laughs> I is just he want to say, <laughs> we don't have fresh dawns. We only have false dawns at Villa Park. <laughs> so you're suddenly happy and optimistic for this season now, are you, Chad? Yes, I reckon we're going to win the league. It's always good to have one liar on the, the podcast. <laughs> right, number number five, the final point. Let's just remember that it's not possible for Ashley Westwood to get any worse. So this is a this is the this is the turning point. It has to be the turning point because if it gets any worse, I, I, I think I will just spontaneously combust in the halt <laughs> end, and it would be a spe- it would be a spectacle if nothing else, you know. But you'll know at that point that we've reached, you know, we've divided by zero finally, and it's, it is a that is a reason to be cheerful, I'm sure. Uh. <laughs> God help us all. It can't get any worse. Mark these words when when we're playing in League Two in a couple of seasons. I mean, this is one one thing that has been uh, interesting about following Villa in the last few seasons is uh, the amount of times people have said it can't get any worse. And it does. <laughs> how many how many days since we went away from four hundred and twenty two? Is it now? 
<laughs> but what was the last we haven't scored statistic? Was it like it went into weeks? Did it get it went into months, didn't it? Yeah. Anyway, first of all, thanks for making it to the end of the show. If you liked it, give us a uh, show us some love on SoundCloud or give us a stonking review on iTunes or like it, thumbs up it, sticky thumb up it, sticky <laughs> thumb up it. <laughs> Also, look out for a My Old Man Said podcast special on safe standing, something that we're very keen to get the club actively pushing rather than talking about. So, so tune into that. It's a bit more serious and less shambolic than the normal uh, affair that you hear on this show. Anyway, until next time, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. My old man said Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.